the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. I uh, hope you're having a fabulous uh, Saturday, and um, I want to wish all of you a blessed uh, Christmas time. Many of you have celebrated Christmas um, uh, recently, just a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday, maybe the day before, and some will celebrate it in January, depending on your, um, uh, you know, uh, the way uh, or your affiliation, if you wish. If you're an Orthodox, you definitely will celebrate it on uh, in January, the first week of January. So. Uh, regardless of this, uh, today I want to talk about something important related to the celebration of Christmas. Now, I have to uh, say that for the longest time since I became a believer, I always hear different views and uh, the, the ultimate question and sometimes even comes from Muslims. Uh, you guys, you meaning Christians, are using pagan celebrations to celebrate Christian uh, Christmas, and the Bible never said so, and uh, Jesus uh, cannot be definitively uh, uh, be stated that he was born on that day, and so on and so forth. You probably have heard this many times, you know? So the question is, should Christians celebrate Christmas? How should a Christian celebrate Christmas? and many other questions like this. In fact, sadly, sometimes you may even hear preachers actually trying to use the scripture to indicate that the celebration of Christmas somehow is an act of idolatry. In fact, some might use Jeremiah 10, Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 2 to 4. Let me read that to you. Jeremiah 10, verses 2 to 4 reads, Thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the nations, and do not be terrified by the signs of the heavens, although the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the people are delusion, because it is woodcut from the forest, the work of the hands of the cra craftsmen with a cutting tool. They decorate it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers so that it will not totter. And then we get also to another quotation commonly used from Isaiah 44, verses 14 to 15. It reads, Surely he cuts cedar for himself and takes a cypress or an oak and raises it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a fir and the rain makes it grow then it becomes something for a man to burn. So he takes one of them and warms himself. He also makes a fur to bake bread. He also makes a god and worship it. He makes it a graven image 
and falls down before it. And back to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 13. Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your favors to the strangers under every green tree. And you have not obeyed my voice, declared the Lord. Today, by the way, I am going to be uh, using material by J. Hampton uh, Keithley III, and I want to be. Uh, I want to thank uh, uh, J. Hampton Keithley for the wonderful work that has done concerning this question: Should Christians celebrate Christmas? I want to give credit uh, to uh, J. Hampton uh, Keithley III for this. So, uh, you read. You know, you heard me basically read these passages, and my goodness, it sounds terrible. But here's the problem. These passages are not talking about Christmas, number one. Number two, they're not talking about the people of God doing celebration to commemorate an act that God has done for them. Thirdly, the common denominator between all of them is idolatry. Idolatry, bowing down to a tree in this case, or bowing down to an idol. In fact, in Isaiah 44, if we understand the context of Isaiah 40, chapter 40 to 48, which is God mocking the gods of the nations, mocking them, then we would understand that has nothing to do with the celebration. It has to do with mocking idols. In fact, you, you, you heard what I said in Isaiah 44, that this person somehow will cut a tree from among the forest trees and then plant it as a special tree, but then it gets cold, he starts chopping that tree and using it as a uh, basically wood uh, uh, for fire, uh, I should say, using the wood for fire as, uh, you know, to warm himself up. It's, it's almost like God is mocking him. It's like, oh, I, th I thought you were worshiping this tree. All of a sudden now you're chopping the tree to warm you up. And you'll see similar scenarios in that context of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40 all the way to Isaiah 48, where God talks about people picking up stones, that they look like minerals or stones, that they wanted to worship them, and all of a sudden they lower themselves below the stones, technically speaking. I mean, the whole context here has to do with idolatry, right? So we can't really just use things like this casually and begin to attack people for a simple fact that we are commemorating a momentous event and that's God sent in his son to die for our sins. That's a huge, a huge event that we ought to always remember it. I wish we can remember it daily, actually, not necessarily once a year. And we need to also use it as a way to share with our children at the table, share with our neighbors and share with others why this commemoration is important. Now, you know, you go to different places and different countries, and they're all going to celebrate it differently, have different customs that they have developed over the ages. But that doesn't mean there is a, a rule book that you have to do things this way or that way. As long as the spirit of this celebration is to commemorate the birth of Christ and the work that God has done for us, I believe there isn't anything in the scripture that can deny us this. And I'll, I'll prove to you from scripture as well, examples of that. So I'm going to uh, try to cover a couple of arguments that were listed here by Jay Hampton, uh, Keith Lee, which I really appreciated the work that uh, this person has done. Um, and it's uh, definitely very helpful uh, for us. Argument number one, Christmas is commercialized and materialistic. 
Okay, well, you know what? Uh, I give you that. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that are commercialized and becoming materialistic. But that argument in and of itself doesn't mean that we should not also celebrate the story of the birth of Christ and that shouldn't also deny us the right of being in the spirit of giving, regardless of how the world uses it, which is kind of funny because many times the people who commercialize it have nothing to do with Christ, nor that they even care for Christ, but that they want to benefit from that momentous event and they do celebrate they do events far in advance you know like you know black friday and uh, cyber monday and tuesday or whatever you know all that kind of stuff but that doesn't mean really i have to stop commemorating this because of what these people are doing i mean if we use this argument as a legitimate reason for uh you know throwing away the entire Christmas celebration and the commemoration of the birth of Christ, then we should also end up having, uh, uh, you know, to throw away and throw out everything, including, by the way, the Bibles, because we buy Bibles and therefore we're paying someone when we're buying these Bibles that have been produced, right? You know, uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. Maybe we should stop going to churches and giving uh, to uh, the church for ministry purposes because we think they're commercializing it. You know, I sadly, I do know of churches that do make an effort to take money for building projects that got nothing to do with ministry, just expansions and things like that. And we're talking in the millions. I mean, if that's your stance about Christmas, you might want to just stop going to these churches too. So if we are going to use arguments like this casually, then we have to really remind ourselves what is the purpose behind the celebration in the first place. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, the Apostle Paul says, abstain from every form of evil. Right? Abstain from every form of evil. Now, King James says, every appearance of evil, and as a result... Uh, some have taken the King James translation to apply it to everything that looks like it might be an evil celebration, including Christmas. Okay. Now, the NASB translation that I just read, which says abstain from every form of evil, makes it clear, however, that the meaning is to abstain from every genuine form of evil. You know this is an evil form, therefore you should not do it or repeat it or at least uh, mimic it. You know that this is evil, right? So please tell me, folks, what is so evil about the birth of Christ? Go ahead. Ask yourself this question. If you're celebrating and commemorating the birth of Christ, regardless of how you do it in your household, I'm not saying we're talking a standard operating I, I talk to people, my neighbors. Each one of them tell me they celebrate Christmas in a certain way. Am I good to go and say, oh, no, 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 you have to celebrate it this way. If you're not following step one, two, three, and four, then that's an evil, basically, celebration. No. But ask yourself, what is so evil about commemorating the birth of Christ, the act of grace, the selfless God who gave his son to die for the world as ransom so that those who believe, whomever believes in him, will have eternal life and not be condemned. What is so evil about this? I mean, let's just ask ourselves 
this question. We are to abstain from what is genuinely evil, genuinely wrong, according to the word of God. The Apostle Paul wrote also in Titus 1 verse 15, a warning against those who see evil in almost everything. You see what's going on? I mean, if you go around and start picking on people and say, oh, you, 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 Christmas tree looks evil. Uh, your celebration of Christmas looks evil. The way you have dinner in Christmas uh, night is evil. The, these gifts that you give your children and your wife is evil. There is even a warning against that as well. That's what the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote. To the pure, all things are pure. We have to look at it from a pure point of view. What is so good about this? First, before we start judging. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. So you start picking on things. That's hypocrisy, by the way. Your mind and your soul are defiled. That's what the Bible says. Both your mind and your conscience are defiled just because by, by the way the world distorts the meaning of christmas that doesn't i have to also cease to in obedience to the world just because the world took something so good and turned it into evil i mean this if if you want to use scripture i'll use scripture uh basically god basically uh, all things work together for good. I mean, let, there you go. Uh, I mean, why can't I look at it differently? I'm going to take what they distorted for evil and let us now celebrate it in a good way. How come we just pick and choose sometimes when it comes to the use of Scripture? So the answer to that argument is that it's not a good argument in the first place. Argument number two, Scripture does not authorize it. By the way, here is what we call an argument from silence. The fact that the scripture is silent about something doesn't make it in any way to be wrong, okay? Does not mean that it is wrong, nor that I also, I should say, it makes it right, depending on what we're talking about here. So the argument from silence is not a good excuse for that. The argument is that since we are not clearly authorized by the Bible, to celebrate Christmas and the birth of our Lord during this season. Therefore, we should not celebrate it or even hold any special events or services to commemorate it. That's basically what the argument is saying. If you want to do this, then I got some bad news for you. The scripture doesn't tell us to remember the death of Christ, okay? It does not tell us about a specific day or time to commemorate the Lord's Supper. Skip to main it content. It does not tell us about a certain Shop order by of category. worship God in a church, Advanced. which musical instruments we use, what type of hymns we do. There you go. You can throw all of these out also. I mean, if you want to use that argument, I got plenty of them, actually, if that's what you want to do. But that's not really what God wanted us to to be in the first place. He doesn't want us to be a bunch of sad people, okay? We need to be people of joy, of peace, people who share the light with others, literally, in that day or in those celebrations. 
I mean, even the idea that we have, you know, most Christians celebrated on the 25th and Orthodox Church primarily and a Coptic Church, they will celebrate it basically, uh, I believe, the 6th of January, 6th, 7th of January, basically. That in of itself should indicate to us that there isn't a set of rule or specific date. Yes, there is disagreement about that, but they're not fighting each other over it. I mean, my goodness, one time I remember I celebrated on 25th and then I was invited to a Coptic church and I enjoyed the celebration also. Why not? I mean, so what? We're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior. Let's just enjoy that, you know? Uh, uh, let us not be Grinch, you know, in our actions and our attitude. We need to think of the positive that comes out of this. If we applied this argument consistently, then we would need to discontinue the use of many things as I indicated, right? You know, Sunday school, uh, having pews in the church, building a church building in the first place because the early church had house churches, right? You know, Co choir, chorus books, you know, Christian schools, many other things. I mean, if you want to really be picky, well, we've got plenty of things to be picky about. So this argument also is nullified. It does not work. Argument number three, the scripture forbids it. And that takes us back again to a couple of the arguments that I used earlier from Jeremiah 10 and Jeremiah 3 and Isaiah 44 as a, a pretext for this. But others will take you to another New Testament passage like Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Look what it says. It says, therefore, let no one act as your judge. Why? Why do you want to act as your judge? In what regard? It says, therefore, let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, using this passage, uh, many times people will say it's claimed that the scripture actually warns and forbids the observance of any occasions and celebrations such as Christmas. Well, we need to put things in context. You know, it's all about location when it comes to the scripture. What is the context of what Paul is talking about? Paul is talking about Old Testament celebrations. How do we know? Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. Okay, so they are Old Testament shadow of Christ coming. That's number one. Well, Christmas celebrate the coming of Christ, not a shadow of his coming. All right. Number two, let no one act as your judge, indicate that there has to have been a group who kept judging the Christians that you are not really fully believers unless you do these celebrations that the Old Testament have instituted. In other words, Christ plus, and those are the Judaizers. That's the context that was in here at play. Therefore, Paul was attacking these kind of faulty teachings. Jesus came. We don't need to do things that are shadow of his coming. He came already. Now, we can celebrate his coming as a result of this. You see, 
What happens is when you put things in context and you understand what is going on, you begin to understand how to at least unpack those passages that many well-meaning Christians use, by the way. I'm not really attacking people here. I'm saying we need to be careful not to judge people because that's exactly the warning in passages as this. Now, I would argue, and here is where I'm going to use the scripture, that commemorating the birth of Christ, celebrating the birth of Christ, rejoicing for the coming of Christ is biblical. You know, let me take you through a couple of examples from the New Testament alone. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 12, the appearances of the angel of the Lord, uh, 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 the appearance of the angel of the Lord, I should say, with the glory of the Lord to announce the birth of Christ to the shepherds. Celebrations were taking place in heaven. Angels celebrating along with the angel of the Lord and making the announcement about his coming. The response of the angels at the announcements of Christ's birth. Be peace uh, basically on earth to all men. Luke 2, 13 to 14. The actions of the shepherds. What did the shepherds do? They rejoiced and they went to look for the place where this child um, has been, uh, was born and where is he, basically. The actions of the shepherds who left their flocks to go to see which was nothing short of celebration. I mean, why would they leave their flock behind and go if it wasn't such a momentous, you know, event for them? And also, the arrival of the men from the east, called the Magi's, for instance, bearing gifts. Hmm, that's interesting. Bearing gifts as much as a year or two years later, they came to celebrate the birth of that child. That's how long it took them to get there. He was born already. Man. I mean, if those are not examples of the fact that it is okay to commemorate such momentous event, then I don't know what else we can use. I mean, hey, you're using scripture, right? You know, I'm, I'm speaking to those who are uh, going to argue that the Christmas should not be celebrated. You're using scripture. I'm using scripture. We need to really ask ourselves about the spirit behind the celebration, behind the celebration, Okay. So there is, of course, the New Testament precedent for believers meeting together on Sunday, even though, by the way, the early church met at a house church. They met daily. They broke bread daily. Are we doing this daily? No, we're meeting once a week. Now, if you meet on Saturday or you meet on Friday or you meet on Wednesday or you meet on Sunday, to be honest with you, it doesn't make a difference to me. I'm not going to really lose a sleep over it. You, you do whatever you want. I mean, we don't, we're just celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, the work of God, uh, the, the uh, studying his scripture, uh, praying, breaking bread, having fellowship with one another, studying the word of God. What is so wrong about that? Why does it have to be in a specific order? We just use tradition sometimes. We look at how the church did it, early church, and we try to commemorate this. Is that wrong? Of course not. Of course not. As long as you're honoring what God has done, as long as you are being faithful to the, the scripture, faithful to what the apostles did and taught, not discounting that, adding to it, doing things that are not biblical. So with that in mind, uh, there is more arguments, of course, but I just wanted to share this with you. I want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas, a blessed holiday. Uh, I also pray that the new year will be a time for us to reflect back on 2020 and look at 2021 with hope, 
with peace, with joy, trusting that God who protected us in 2021 will continue to protect us and provide for us for 2021. As always, uh, uh, I should say protect us in 2020 will protect us and provide for us for 2021. As always, I remind you to subscribe to my uh, YouTube channel, Sierra International. And also we're asking you to consider becoming partners by becoming Patreon patrons to give through that on a monthly basis or give through PayPal or however the Lord lays it in your heart. Thank you again for being a uh, part of our team. May the Lord bless you richly.